I, I want to read you two stories today, if I could. And, and uh, the first is by, not somebody I read that often, but I remember this story from years ago, Chuck Swindle, from his book, uh, Living Above the Level of Mediocrity. And if you just allow me to read it to you. Before the breakup of the Soviet Union, uh, Christians were routinely persecuted for their faith by the communist regime. We have many inspiring stories of courageous Christians behind the Iron Curtain who are willing to die for their faith during this difficult period in world history. One such story involves a house church in a city in the former Soviet Union. The small group of believers who gathered there were afraid to carry their Bible. And they memorized large sections of the New Testament and recited scripture to each other. Each week, they would arrive at the house at different times to avoid arousing the suspicion of KGB informers. Now, on this particular Sunday, the church members were all safely inside the building with the windows closed, the doors locked, and they began the service by softly singing a hymn and praying. And suddenly, the doors burst open, two soldiers armed with automatic weapons walked in, and one shouted, all right, everybody up against the wall, if you wish to renounce your faith in Jesus Christ, you can leave now and no harm will come to you. Two or three members left, then another, then another. This is your last chance, the other soldier warned. Either turn your back on this Jesus of yours or stay and suffer the consequences. Another member left. Two more covered their faces in shame and slipped out into the night. No one else moved. Now, let me just stop for a minute. And um, I'm, I'm trying to put myself in that position, maybe you are too, as a, as a father, as a husband, uh, as someone who has lots to live for and lots of people counting on him. You know, could you see how easy it would be to rationalize, uh, maybe compromise, saying like, you know, surely I could do greater good for God and his kingdom you know, alive than dead. Uh, you know, certainly God would understand this compromise for the sake of my kids and for the sake of my wife and for the sake of Knack. Um, I, you know, I can see the wheels turning and it would, be, it would be easy to judge these people until you're put in the same position. Let me continue. Last chance, the soldiers warned. Parents with small children trembling beside them looked down reassuringly. They fully expected to be gunned down on the spot or at the very least imprisoned. After a few moments of silence, the soldiers closed the door and looked back at the church members left standing against the wall. One of them said, keep your hands up. But this time, in praise to our Lord Jesus, brothers and sisters, we too are Christians. We were sent to another house several weeks ago to arrest a group of believers, but instead, we became Christ followers. The other soldier added, we're so sorry to have frightened those who left, but we have learned that unless people are willing to die for their faith, they cannot be fully trusted. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, names that, you know, may be familiar if you've been raised in the church, but if you haven't, this might be a new story to you. These three young men, they chose death over 
worshiping false gods, idols. So the book of Daniel tells us about one of the most prosperous, most powerful evil dictators ever, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, king of this area called Babylon, and his armies conquered countries, and when they did, like they did for Israel, they would take uh, the best and the brightest, the most skilled, most educated uh, to the nation's capital. And these men were not treated as slaves. They, these men would be brought into the royal palace. They, they'd eat the best food and they'd wear the best clothes and they'd hang out with the king. Uh, they were given positions of influence, but they were still strangers in a strange land, right? They're, they were still exiles in a conquering country, aliens in a wicked culture. Does that sound familiar at all? Uh, Folks, as citizens of the kingdom of God who serve a different king, uh, King Jesus, we we are really exiles in Babylon and we don't really fit in here we don't, we don't fit the culture. The problem is, though, we've been living here for so long, we've assimilated so well, we're, we're starting to think it's our culture. Um, we've become residents of Babylon. We're not even longing for our real home anymore, it seems. Well, these four men were captured in Jerusalem and uh, brought to Babylon and They didn't forget who they were. They didn't forget whose they were. And they didn't belong to Babylon. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego were were children and heirs of God. And so they had a different first loyalty. And their second loyalty didn't even come close to their first. So if you brought your Bible, we'll put on the screen too, but I'm going to read, the story is just compelling on its own, uh, starting in Daniel 3, verse 1. So this King Nebuchadnezzar, he made a gold statue 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide. Wow and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then he sent messages to the high officers, officer, officials, general, uh, sorry, general, governors, advisors, treasurers, judge, magistrates, and all the provincial officer, officials to come to the dedication of the statue he had set up. So all these officials came and stood before the statue of King Nebuchadnezzar, Then a herald shouted out, People of all races and nations and languages, listen to the king's command. When you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and other musical instruments, bow to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. Anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. So, at the sound of the musical instruments, all the people, whatever their race or nation or language, bowed to the ground and worshipped the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. But some of the astrologers went to the king and informed on the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, Long live the king. Uh, You issued a decree requiring all the people to bow down and worship the gold statue when they hear the sound of the flute, horn, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and other musical instruments. That decree also states that those who refuse to obey must be thrown into a blazing furnace. 
But there are some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you have put in charge of the province of Babylon. They pay no attention to you, your majesty. They, they refuse to serve your gods and do not worship the gold statue you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage and ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. When they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue I have set up? I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I have made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then, what God will be able to rescue you from my power? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves to you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. Love that. Um, when the moment comes, and it, it'll inevitably come for all of us, when someone realizes that, that, that death is inescapable and there's nothing uh, one can do, often the last message is an expression of regret or despair or bargaining. And so for these three young men in the prime of their life, death is inescapable. All they have to do is bend a knee uh, to this narcissistic king and his golden statue, and the nightmare is over. They'll be restored to their positions of, of power and status. Um, they are headed towards unimaginable pain. But they wouldn't say the word. They wouldn't bend a knee. Life or death? Well, they were prepared to choose death. Now, no doubt, there were others who would have been taken as slaves from Jerusalem, but we don't know their names. Um, why is that? Could it be because they missed an opportunity to stand by their convictions and bring honor to God? I want you to know that the kind of devotion that is told here is possible for ordinary people like me and like you. And I, I love that they say, the God we serve is able to save us, but even if he doesn't, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods, worship that gold image. That looked like their final words, and those are some great final words, but final words nonetheless. And that says in verse 19, Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. He commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. Now, you know, when they were first brought to him, he's, he's, um, he's, he's doing good cop routine, right? He's, he's trying to woo them to the, the other side. All right, boys, you know, enough of the shenanigans. 
when you hear the music, just worship me and everything will go back to normal, all right? But they decide to face death rather than disobey God. Folks, for most of us in Canada, um, we can make the application too that we have idols that are in our life that we are tempted to serve. Idols of wealth and career and accumulation. And that is a fair application, I think. And, and we can find strength and courage from this story. But you need to know that in a, a lot of the world today, in 2021, um, this has a much more literal resonant application. There are places where the decision of faith in Jesus or death is a very literal decision. You know, sometimes we read the Bible through a very Canadian, uh, modern, Western lens. And in fact, many today can read it with identical parallels. Live uh, at the cost of your faith or die but with the promise of eternal life. That's a real choice some of our brothers and sisters are making today. So Nebuchadnezzar, he's done with the good cop routine and he flies into a rage. He's full on bad cop mode. His face even distorts. I can just picture it. And he orders the furnace to be heated to seven times hotter than what it was. And he's gonna make an example of these rebellious men. So. He ordered some of the strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So they tied them and threw them into the furnace, fully dressed in their pants, turbans, robes, and other garments. And because the king in his anger had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego securely tied, fell into the roaring flames. Um, we forget sometimes in this short narratives that despite how heroic they seem, despite the fact that, you know, we know how the story ends. They didn't know how the story ends. They're real people with families and hopes and friends and, you know, Pain. They experienced real pain. Um, they have phobias. They're real people. And they are real people who see guards die from the heat of just getting close to it before they got even into the furnace. I mean, it is that hot. And then they're in the fire and they wait for this searing pain, for the smoke inhalation that's gonna suffocate their lungs, but nothing happens. They don't feel any different. And it begins to dawn on them that there's no, there's no pain, there's no burns, um, there's no smoke. It's not even that warm. I should, have, I should have brought a sweater, one of them says. Their restraints have disappeared. And that's not even the best part. The best part is when this turns from a miracle into a divine encounter with God. Here's what it says, verse 24. But suddenly Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie up three men and throw them in the furnace? 
Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Um, There's a translation that says King Nebuchadnezzar leapt to his feet in trepidation. I think that's a better translation of, of, you know, there's this element of fear, like ghost sort of idea that Nebuchadnezzar's doing. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound walking around the fire unharmed. And the fourth looks like a god. There is a fourth person in the furnace club and he is unharmed and apparently is the one who has rescued and delivered these other three. He, he convened a little Bible study right there in the middle of a furnace. Who was the fourth man who appeared out of nowhere and cheated death and, it, and, it, and has the appearance of a son of the gods? Now, the text doesn't say, but I believe, as most Bible scholars are convinced, that the fourth man was, say it with me, Jesus. That's the Sunday school answer, but in this case, it turns out to be the right answer. The uncreated one, the uncaused first cause. Before the, before the word would take on human flesh in Bethlehem some 500 years later, Jesus would be at work on this day. Jesus, who has been at work since the beginning uh, in creation, sustaining the universe. And I wonder, I wonder what they said to each other. I wonder if that fourth man in the furnace told them how proud his father was of them. I wonder if he told them how, how proud he was of their devotion and their love. And I wonder if he told them that because of this one act of faithfulness, that their names and their story would be told thousands of years later, even in a little church in Newmarket. And I wonder if uh, he told them that this story would be a source of strength and comfort and courage to those who are suffering or who are in isolation or going through some cabin fever or death and they'd be strengthened and encouraged by hearing this story. I, I wonder what the other three said to Jesus, I bet they poured out their adoration and their gratitude and their worship. You know, they came to this place, the plain of of Dura, it says in verse two, planning to withhold worship from a false God and they end up worshiping like they never had before. Uh, It's interesting. The furnace, which looked like the end of, of their lives turned out to be the greatest thing they'd ever experienced. It was the can't miss event of their whole lives. The furnace turns out to be the place where they met Jesus. Jesus meets us in the furnace. He does. Jesus meets us in the cabin and in the cabin fever. Jesus decided to deliver Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the furnace, not from it. He delivered them in the furnace, not from it. They hoped to be delivered from the furnace, but God has decided to deliver them in the furnace. 
Jesus said to them, I'm going to meet you in the furnace. And he still says it to people in 2021, folks. See, the place where full devotion to Jesus can lead you can be often a scary, dangerous, painful place. And it may even look like the end. Well, it turns out that's usually where Jesus is. And amazingly, it's the safest place of all. You know, my dad used to tell me this all the time, and, and I think he was quoting from, from Corey Tenboon and her sister Betsy, who were, who were captives in a Nazi concentration camp. The safest place to be is in the center of God's will. Now, in Canada, we take that to mean that we won't be hurt or disappointed or suffer. But Betsy's statement was a declaration that to walk in obedience to Christ is always the right choice, regardless of, of the consequences. But we've, you know, misinterpreted safety, haven't we? I, I like how Erwin McManus puts it. He says, instead of concluding it is best to be wherever God wants us to be, we have decided that wherever it's best for us to be is where God wants us. Actually, God's will for us is less about our comfort than it is about our contribution. God would never choose for us safety at the cost of significance. God created you so that your life would count, not so that you could count the days of your life. Um, there's a part of me that wishes God was the one who would never let anything bad happen. Uh, never let armed robbers in. Never let corrupt people get into power. Never let my heart be broken. Um, a deeper part is relieved to know that my God has a more eternal perspective than I do. Our maturity, our conforming to the image and the likeness of Christ, our contribution to the kingdom of light is even greater than our safety, our comfort. Jesus says, I'm going to meet you in the furnace. Follow me. It's going to be dark. It's, it's going to look dangerous. It's going to scare you. It could be lonely, but keep following me because I'll meet you in the furnace. Let, let's pick it up at verse 26. It says, Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out here. Come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. Then the high officers, officials, governors, and advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not even touched them. Not a hair on their head, heads was singed and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell of smoke. I just, wouldn't you have loved to see that? Um, then Nebuchadnezzar said, praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any God except their own God. Something's going on in this man's life right now. Therefore, I make this decree. If any people 
whatever their race or nation or language, speak a word against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They will be torn limb from limb and their houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. There is no other God who can rescue like this. So Nebuchadnezzar is not really big on the freedom of worship idea here. He's not kind of a bill of human rights guy, but that's how he rolls, I guess. And then in verse 30, it says that he promotes them uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to even higher positions in the province of Babylon. He doesn't just restore them. He actually lists them to new opportunities and influence and authority. Now, I wonder what the rest of their lives are like. We don't, we don't hear anything uh, in the rest of scripture. Uh, it's the last time they're mentioned. I wonder if they ever thought how easily they could have missed this adventure, if they had, if they'd just given in to fear, you know, one word, one bow, one bent knee, and they would have missed the greatest encounter with the living God in the furnace. I know one thing, they, they were never going to forget this. And I bet they would even meet as old men on the anniversary of this date and tell the story again. Because uh, See, if you spend time in the furnace and trust God to meet you in that place and God ends up meeting you, it changes you. You, you carry that. Going into the furnace, which looked like the last thing they wanted to do, turned out to be the greatest event of their lives. The place that looked like death actually turned out to be the safest place of all. Why? Because Jesus was there. Church, sometimes, sometimes God delivers people from the furnace. But sometimes God delivers in the furnace. And those are the greatest times in your life, believe it or not. We need to tell and retell this historical narrative because I think there's a great danger for the church in Canada that our primary life goal becomes that of furnace avoidance, right? God, deliver me from the pain and the discomfort and the suffering and the inconvenience. Make my life smooth, Lord. Could it be that God has something even better for us than a smooth life? What if that something better is his presence, his tangible, manifest presence. I want, I want to ask you to consider something quite dangerous. Would you consider, stop praying for less heat. Stop asking for an easier or richer or more pleasant life. That, that maybe there's something better to ask for. You know, we're being, we're being called to an even deeper devotion than that. Maybe you'd even pray, God, uh, give me an opportunity to show my devotion to you. Ask for the presence of the fourth man in the furnace when you're going through it. Maybe, maybe the furnace is at your job. Uh, some of you are praying for an easier work environment. And you say, I work with flawed, difficult, cranky, hostile people all the time. Guess what? So do I, all right? 
and they work with me. And so maybe you have people or employers who are difficult or downright nasty. Nebuchadnezzar wasn't exactly the employer of the month, right? God used these three young men to go into the furnace and change a king's heart. Um, Maybe it would be a good thing if you were transferred to a nicer job with nicer people, but maybe, maybe God's plan is to have you right where you are so he can use you. You know, maybe he wants you to grow in grace and love and, and prune away some of your judgmental spirit. Maybe you need to stop praying for deliverance from the furnace and instead pray for the presence of Jesus in the furnace. Maybe there's a Nebuchadnezzar um, that God wants to reach through you. Maybe instead of praying that God would deliver you from you know, a lousy neighborhood with annoying neighbors, uh, maybe we would pray that God would meet us there and even by his grace that you would be used in your neighborhood for his glory. That you've been avoiding what it, what it feels like in the furnace. And I'm here to tell you that God is in the furnace. The furnace could be uh, a financial sacrifice, a relational hardship. I don't, I don't know what it is for you. I just know that the golden statues in our culture, um, in our Babylon, involve gods with names like comfort, security, success. God, forgive me if I've ever given you the impression that Christianity guarantees a a comfortable life. You know, maybe we even need to pray different kinds of prayers for our kids. Less for their safety, more that they would be a light in a dark world, that they would be courageous in the face of trial. You know, when you read through the 11th chapter of Hebrews, which I referenced earlier, that, that greatest hits list of the heroes of our faith, the Hall of Fame, uh, let me ask you this. How many of them had an easy life? Show me where it says that Jesus promises his followers a, a perfect spouse, a, a 3,000 square foot house, uh, a new car every three years, and a Peloton, you know? Um, here's what Jesus says. Follow me, and I will not leave you or forsake you, not even in the fiery furnace. And billions have followed him through suffering and sacrifice and martyrdom. They have followed him. God said to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego what he said to Stephen, the very first martyr who died for Jesus, what he said to Peter, and Paul, and Corey Ten Boom, and Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and Mother Teresa on the streets of Calcutta, and what he says to Andrew Clouk, and Danita Briggs, and Melissa Idzenga, and Mike Dara, and, and what he is saying to millions of people in China, and Albania, and Syria today, and maybe to someone in this room right now, I will meet you in the furnace, open your eyes because you'll see me there. 
I'm going to invite the team to come. I don't know what, what furnace that you're facing. I don't know what it means for you. Um, I just know who you will meet there, who some of you are meeting there right now in your furnace. I believe the words of the prophet Isaiah, and here's what he said, fear not, I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Allow Jesus to meet you in the furnace today. God, um, I know the Ganyas have been through a week this week. I thank you that you are meeting me in the furnace. Thank you that you're meeting Katie and Nathan in the furnace and Vicky in the furnace. And there are people in this room and who are watching online who need Jesus to be very present with them. It's too late to be delivered from the furnace. They're surrounded by flames right now. They need that fourth man. They need you, Jesus, to be present with them. Deliver them, Jesus, not by making the circumstance go away, but by being so real to them, being so present. We ask it in Jesus' name. This may be new to some of you, this song, but I invite you to stand and just sing it out. Sing it out.